Hello and welcome to the Bliss Bean Show. I'm your host, Patrice, and on this podcast, we talk about how to design intentional days, create meaningful work, and get more out of life. Hello and welcome back to the Bliss Bean Show. I am in a very chatty mood today, so just watch out because you might get quite a long episode from me today. So in two days, this Friday's video is going to be about conducting your mid-year review. So I put together a worksheet, I take you through the process of reviewing the past six months of this year, planning out how you want the next six months to go, and I also shared some of my own personal mid-year review as an example of the types of things that you might include on your own. You lucky people, however, because you listen to this podcast and you are special, you get a much more in-depth look into what I wrote in my mid-year review. I'm going to mention a few more things that I mentioned in the video and just give a lot more detail because, as I said, I feel like talking today. So the first category of the mid-year review is to list your wins and accomplishments. And the very first thing that I wrote, the very first thing that came to mind, and I think what was most important this year, even though it was not really exciting and it kind of sucked, was I wrote down that I was able to pull myself out of... I don't, I don't know if I want to use the word depression. Um, I feel weird using that word if I've never been diagnosed with depression, but I really don't know how else to describe it because it feels like an entirely different state of being, if that makes sense. And so I just had a bunch of those like periods of feeling like that, these sorts of slumps, as I sometimes call them. And I was just really proud of myself that for the first six months of this year, I had that happen to me multiple times, but every time I somehow got myself out of it, even though each time it felt somewhat impossible, I still did it. Um, So in the mid-year review YouTube video that you're going to see soon, um, that was the very first video. This is very exciting. That was the very first video that I handed over to Maya, my virtual assistant, to edit. And as part of preparing all of the files for her, I went through uh, not only the footage that I sat down and recorded specifically for this video, but through my big library of B-roll footage uh, that includes footage that I shot for previous videos, as well as just footage that I shot on my phone randomly of my life. And so I included this video of me just in my bed crying um, because there was one point where I was feeling really terrible. It was nighttime and I just couldn't stop crying. And normally when I'm feeling like this, I don't want to share anything about it. I've had multiple people suggest this to me and I myself have thought about this, but basically doing a week in the life when I'm really not feeling good, just to kind of show the flip side of things. The problem is that if I'm not feeling good, the filming anything is absolutely the last thing that I want to do. Um, But in that moment, I did manage for some reason to pick up my phone and just record a video of myself crying. So I included that with the B-roll footage that I sent over to her. And then when we were reviewing her progress on editing it so far, she was like, yeah, I didn't include that (laughs) because it was just like a really sad video. um, And it also doesn't quite fit the overall tone of the video. We agreed that we might use it for a future video that is specifically talking about this topic of like mental health, not a mid-year review video, which I wanted to overall have a hopeful and a positive tone. Um, so you're not going to see me crying for at least a couple more weeks. I know you're looking forward to that. 
Um, so yeah, that was my first win slash accomplishment, even though it doesn't really feel like an accomplishment, but it was a challenge I faced and I'm proud of that. My second really big win was finally hiring a virtual assistant. So I was really proud of myself actually for staying on schedule with this. I think I put out an Instagram story just kind of testing the waters and seeing if anyone would be interested in applying for a virtual assistant position uh, towards the very beginning of the year. And then I knew that I really wanted to start working with someone in the month of May because I finished a big project in April and I actually stayed on schedule with that. Maya and I started working together at the very start of May. It has been incredible. I It's just so nice to be able to hand over tasks like editing podcast episodes, uploading those episodes, uploading YouTube videos, um, going through emails, going through some of my DMs to organize them and so that I know what's important for me to reply to, things like that. Uh, it's, it's hard to even remember all of what she does now because it's just, it's like it's out of sight and out of mind. I don't have to worry about it anymore and I can focus on other parts of the Bliss Bean. Um, today we had our weekly meeting. Today is Friday that I'm recording this, so we have our little weekly check-in on Fridays and... Uh, we were talking about I want to hire an accountant um, and when I say hire an accountant I just want to clarify I don't mean like this accountant is going to do nothing but work for the Bliss Bean but like a I don't know I in, in the video I got confused about whether it's called like an accounting firm or an accounting agency accounting firm sounds about right but basically just hiring some help with my finances and so Maya put together a list of websites for me to take a look at, uh, some accountants that I might want to schedule calls with just to have some options to choose from. And another thing that has been going on lately that I don't want to say too many specifics on in case it doesn't work out or I don't know, just in case I shouldn't talk about it too much. I really don't know the extent to which I'm allowed to share about this, but I am currently considering signing with this influencer agency to manage brand deals. I do definitely want to talk more on this topic sometime in the future because I actually was so hesitant to sign with any sort of agency in the past. As you know, in general, I just like having control over everything, but having a virtual assistant has definitely taught me that if I am able to outsource some of my work, I can focus on the work that is more valuable and important and also just save time, which is also really important. Um, and so I basically had a meeting with this agency that seemed very interesting to me. They seemed different from other agencies that have reached out to me in the past. Uh, their offering sounded extremely helpful. It just made sense at this point, uh, at this point of the Bliss Bean. And so me and Maya were talking about all of that and I was just like, oh my goodness, I am having a meeting with my virtual assistant, I am looking for an accountant to hire, and I am considering signing with an agency. Like, what has my life become? This is stuff that I could have only dreamed about a little over a year ago because really, if you know the history of my channel, and if you don't, I'll link a video where I talk about that, my channel really exploded in, what was it? March 2020, I believe. And so it's only been like a year and three months that this has felt like my job because prior to that, I was not doing any sponsorships. I was not, I mean, I was making just a tiny bit from AdSense revenue, but 
it was really a hobby. It was a hobby I was really passionate about and it was a hobby that I had every intention of turning into a business someday, but it just wasn't there yet. And so 2021 so far has been making this whole business thing feel very, very real to me. And I'm very excited about that. Um, I was talking to someone about how there are sort of two different kinds of creators, uh, as far as I can tell, just like two very general categories that you can lump people into. There's the creators who start putting stuff out on the internet kind of for fun. Um, They're more into the creating side of it. And then maybe they accidentally really blow up, their audience gets really big, and then they get overwhelmed with managing the business side of things. And so they just want to like, you know, hire a manager right away for the manager to deal with the business side of things while they focus on continuing to create. And then there's the other group of people who see this whole creator thing as more of a business from the very get-go. And so they're wanting to manage their own stuff, uh, create their own product line or whatever, things like that. And so for me, I've always had a pretty entrepreneurial personality. I've always been very interested in that. I always had the intention of the Bliss Bean one day being like that. And so I guess the nice thing about all this growth is that I genuinely really enjoy it. It makes me so happy to be just, I don't know, managing things and seeing things get bigger and trying to problem solve and figure things out how to continue making it bigger. Uh, Whereas I think if I were the opposite type of personality, this sort of growth might have stressed me out a little bit. And so, yeah just been very grateful for it. It fits my personality. Another thing I've been proud of in these past six months is sort of a habit. So I started using the day one app last year. As you know, I really enjoy journaling and I used to do morning and evening journaling in a paper notebook and that was great. You know, I still have all of my journals and notebooks in this big box. I can totally flip through them uh, if I would like to, although I don't do that very often. But like I could flip to a specific day and see what I wrote about that day. However, it's just not the greatest method for documenting your life, I don't think, because I definitely cannot include videos. I could include photos if I printed them or like took them with a Polaroid camera, but I have never put that amount of effort into journaling. Um, And also another problem is that as I explained in my journaling video, the way that I was able to keep up the journaling habit was not forcing myself to write about every single little thing that I did each day. And so what happened as a result of that was that I missed out on writing about a lot of big events because I just was not interested in writing about them. The main purpose of my journaling was more of like a mindfulness exercise, not to document my life. Which is not to say that I don't regret writing about every single thing that happened in my life. I just needed to find a different tool for that. And so that's what I did last year. I downloaded the day one app and I started writing daily entries that were pretty short. They've since gotten longer um, as I've gotten used to this habit, but I would write a little bit, write like three things that I accomplished that day, attach some photos to it, and just start slowly building this record of my life. And I think this is one of those things that seems small now because I haven't amassed that many journal entries. But I think this is going to be, over the long run, just a game changer because 
Previously with my journals, if I wanted to find something, I'd have to find the right notebook, flip to the right date, read my terrible handwriting in like a purple colored pen that's impossible to read. Whereas now with the day one app, there are so many cool features like seeing your entries on a map based on the location tag, um, scrolling through all of the media that you've attached to your entries. I can search for any term if I want to remember like, oh, what was the day that I went to 21 Pilots concert or something? I could search 21 Pilots and then find the day, find all the photos that I took, my description of that day, everything. And so... This was just something that was not really a part of my life in the past, this idea of carefully documenting my life, but I think it is a very valuable habit. Speaking of small habits that have huge benefits, lately I've been so grateful for my file organization system and I'm so happy that from the very beginning of me being on YouTube, I was very careful about how I managed my files. So this includes not only just like keeping all of the files for one video in one uh, contained folder, it also includes me really building up my B-roll library and after finishing each project, I would clean out the B-roll that was not useful for future videos and then name every remaining file with keywords that would make it easy for me to find that in the future. And that is really paying dividends the more my channel grows and the more that footage library grows. Um, every time that I make a video, I do shoot new footage, but I mix in old B-roll just because I think the more B-roll there is in the video, the more interesting and there's no point in wasting time reshooting all of that stuff if it already exists on my hard drive somewhere. And now when I'm working with Maya, for example, I gave her this video to edit. I gave her a folder that contained all the footage that I shot, but also a folder of old B-roll that I thought would be relevant to this video. And so the video is a mid-year review. If in the video I talk about how many books I read during the year, I can just type into my search bar like reading um, and then get videos of me reading and it fits the video perfectly. So if you are starting out as a content creator or even if you've already been a content creator for a while, um, it is so worth it to either start an organization system or it's gonna be hard, but you know, go through all of your old files and label and organize them to make it easier for future videos. Finally, another big win of this year was just experiencing some growth on my YouTube channel and on Instagram. Um, it definitely didn't grow as much as it grew last year. So I believe my YouTube channel went from like 175,000 to 220. And then I think Instagram went from about 21 to 28 ish. I really feel like I was not pushing that hard the first half of this year in terms of growth. Um, it, I mean, it was hard to pour all of my energy into my YouTube channel the way that I have been able to in the past. And so... I'm proud of the growth that I did have considering that I just wasn't trying as hard as I have in the past. Now I do feel like I'm more on track. Definitely now that I've started working with Maya, um, I just feel a lot more motivated and I feel like that has already translated into the numbers. I have been able to see the views and the revenue increasing, which is very encouraging. Would it be cool to grow more? Of course, but I think the fact that I'm at this point now where I am working with a virtual assistant and like needing an accountant to help you with finances and looking for an agency, I think it proves that you don't need to have a huge audience and like grow indefinitely. 
in order to be successful on YouTube. So I remember one of my friend's dad was talking to my parents and they were talking about me for some reason. Um, it was my graduation party, so that was why they were talking about me. But uh, her dad was saying like, oh, it's really cool to have a YouTube channel. Once you get to a million subscribers with a YouTube channel, then you're you're set. Um, and I guess that means like set in, in terms of financially, in terms of a career. And now that I personally am at 220,000 subscribers, I disagree with that. Uh, I think I disagreed with that even back then, but I kind of needed to prove it to myself. And now I have proven it to myself that even at a fifth of a million, you can definitely have uh, a thriving business and do YouTube full time. And in fact, some ways I think it's better to keep your audience small, if that makes sense, because if you are tailoring to a more uh, niche audience, then you have like this sort of cozier community feel. You have a better idea of what your audience is expecting from you. And unlimited growth is just kind of scary. I think I learned that when I was observing Ashley from Best Dressed. I think I mentioned this in my last podcast episode, but basically when her channel first started blowing up, I was kind of jealous. I was like, man, that would be super cool if I could have that also happen to me. But then I started realizing how it was affecting her. Um, she had to move out of that one apartment in New York because someone was stalking her. And I just thought, wow, I guess I guess there is a limit to the quote unquote success that I want to achieve on YouTube. Um, and maybe success isn't the right word. Maybe it's just the problem is my definitions of success. And so I think my definition of success is no longer having a huge number of subscribers because I've learned that there are definitely downsides to that. Okay, two more things in the wins category. In spring, I decluttered my room. Um, I'm sure you've seen already, but I made a whole series of videos about that. I think that was one of those things that you kind of get used to so quickly. Like you get used to your newly decluttered space and so you don't realize how beneficial it actually is. And so sometimes I just have to remember what my room was like before that. Like it wasn't terrible, you know, I wasn't hoarding. I had done a declutter in 2019, but there was definitely room for improvement. And after I decluttered, I felt so much lighter. And I think I'm still experiencing the benefits of that, even though I don't always notice it. And I think before I leave for Europe, I should probably do that once more. It'll probably be my smallest declutter to date because I just don't think there is much left for me to get rid of, but it would be a good thing to just go around my room and see what I don't need anymore. Finally, this year I set boundaries on a bunch of freelance projects. So if we rewind back to like end of last year, beginning of this year, I was doing the Bliss Bean, but also a couple of little like freelance projects. Uh, this was partly for like extra money um, and partly because I had this theory that maybe I was getting depressed and sad because I just didn't have enough projects to balance. Now that I'm saying it out loud, it sounds stupid, but my theory was that when I was in school, I had all of these different clubs that I was in and I really enjoyed balancing that. I liked switching between different contexts and like, now I'm working on the newspaper. Now I'm working on this volunteering club. Now I'm doing homework. And I thought maybe it was not good for me for my sole primary project to be the bliss bean. Cause maybe it just gets into your head too much if you're only focused on one thing. 
I don't know if that theory turned out to be right because after agreeing to those projects, I just, I was just annoyed with myself. I was like, why did I say yes to those things? This is just a headache. And so eventually I got done what I needed to get done. And then I stepped away from literally everything else that I was involved in aside from the bliss bean. And let me tell you, it feels so good. Um, I'm very lucky in that at this point, I don't need any freelance projects financially. Um, and I also came to the realization that I'm so much more passionate about the Bliss Bean. There's so much opportunity for growth. I have so much control over it. It is, it is my baby, basically. Um, and so recently I actually had a friend reach out to me about photos she was like are you still doing photography services because i want to get some photos done so that uh, i don't know for like a linkedin page or just wherever i want to use a photo that isn't a selfie something a bit more professional and i said well i'm not really doing photography anymore let's just meet up go to a coffee shop and maybe a garden or something and take a couple photos you can buy me a coffee in return but i do not want to treat this as a professional photo shoot because I don't know why, but I became so sick of doing senior portrait shoots. Um, I want to say that it was the quantity of photo shoots that I did, but I don't think it was even that bad. And there are people who do this as their career for years and years. So I don't know why I, after about two years of taking senior portrait photos, just got so sick of it. Um, and so I was like, I don't want to have flashbacks to that again. So let's just treat this as a fun little friends meeting up to take photos and have coffee and we'll leave it at that. Okay, so next there's the category that I called happy moments, bits of gratitude, uh, any cheesy name that you want to pick. So this is a pretty long list. I'm just gonna give you the highlights. One of the things I was very grateful for was having a really great relationship with my brother. Um, sometimes he appears in my videos. So I think a lot of you are at least somewhat familiar with him or I might post him on my Instagram stories, but just a little bit about him. I'm not gonna tell you his name. Maybe I've already mentioned it somewhere in the past, but just for the sake of his privacy, He's 13 years old though. He's gonna be starting eighth grade next year. Um, we have a seven year age difference. And I think that when we were younger, that made it more difficult for us to connect because it, would, it was just hard to connect. Like imagine a 13 year old and a six year old. There's just not that much to talk about. It's kind of frustrating for the 13 year old to try and get along with a six year old because you're just kind of on different mental levels. To be fair though, I've been listening to, and you've heard me talk about this, I've been listening to the Not Overthinking podcast, and one of the recurring topics that they talk about is how we should basically respect kids more, and that we tend to view kids as, like, not fully realized adults, that they are almost less than a person, like, they're not quite a person yet, and so we treat them as if they're stupid and can't make their own decisions and stuff, but also, when you're a kid, it's hard to grasp big philosophical concepts like, oh, little kids are their own person and they deserve respect and stuff. So basically for me, when me and my brother were both little, it was just frustrating. It was hard to play anything with him because we just were on very different levels. Now, however, I think that age difference is actually helpful because I think having a seven year difference in between us means that we don't really have anything to argue about. 
because I imagine what siblings might argue about, siblings who are closer in age, would be things things stemming from a sense of competition. Like you have to compete against your sibling and so then there's tension there. Or maybe it's really little things like who gets to use the car. You know, my brother cannot drive yet, so I always get to use the car. And so I think now, now that he is 13 and basically a little adult, um, we're just so much more similar. Our senses of humor align way better. He's also just really nice. Like, he's really mean in a playful way. Um, but I know, or at least I'm 99% sure he doesn't mean the things he says. That's just like the way that we joke around with each other is basically we're mean to each other. But deep down, he's super nice. One time I posted on my Instagram stories and said that my brother came into my room uh, to check if I was crying. And the funny thing about that was that I was actually singing. So I guess it sounded like I was crying. But a lot of people replied to that story. They were like, oh my gosh, your brother came to check if you were crying. Um, and so, yeah, little, little things like that. Or sometimes when he notices that I'm sad, he just gives me a hug and asks if I'm sad. Which really means a lot because I think sometimes the most difficult thing about being in a really low place is that you feel like no one else sees it. And so you feel like you're just alone in that. And my brother sees that. And that just means the world to me. Another thing I wrote down for this category was a few specific TV shows that have really been a source of comfort these past six months. So these are TV shows that I did not binge, but rather savored. The first one is Ted Lasso. So I actually talked about this in the video, but then the video turned out to be too long, so we cut this part out. So I will tell you about it now. Ted Lasso was really special because I just needed a show that was completely lighthearted. There was a deeper meaning to that show and it was definitely emotional in some ways, but it was super lighthearted, whereas some of the other shows that I'd been watching, for example, with my family, a few of the shows we watched were Mindhunters, The Haunting of Bly Manor, The Haunting of Hill House. <laughs> so like shows about murder and horror, basically. So Ted Lasso, if you don't know, it's on Apple TV Plus, I think, and it is about an American football coach who is sent to coach a soccer team in England, even though he knows literally nothing about soccer. Uh, the Ted Lasso is played by Jason Sudeikis, who I think is super funny. Uh, Ted Lasso is also just like the most wholesome, purely good character I've ever seen on a TV show. And that was really refreshing to see just a show that was rooted in kindness and this main character who always wants to make other people laugh. I also watched it with my dad and we watched it at a very, very reasonable pace. I think we kept it to one episode per night. And so it was the perfect way to end each day because you know during the morning and the afternoon, I would get some stuff done. And then at the end of the day, it's really nice to feel accomplished and then sit down and relax and have some dinner and watch this really funny TV show. Other shows that we've been watching, these are not uh, like storyline shows, I guess you could say. I really like the kind of shows that you can just click on any episode and just enjoy that on its own. And so usually that's like reality TV, late night talk shows, things like that. 
but Jeopardy is something that we watch every single evening, and if we don't watch it every evening, then we have to catch up because we're big fans, so we have to see who wins each episode and who moves on to the next one. Another one is Impractical Jokers. It is a hidden camera, um, how do I call this? Hidden camera earpiece comedy show. So basically, it's this group of four guys, and for the format of most of their challenges, it'll be one of them doing some sort of a challenge in public, and then they have to do anything that the other guys tell them to do through their earpiece, and most of these things are embarrassing or weird, and if they don't do it, then they fail the challenge. And I used to think the show was so stupid, and now I absolutely love it. I don't know if my sense of humor has degraded or if the quality of the show has increased. I think it's the former because now when I watch older seasons, I think they're just as funny as the newer ones. So I think I just came to appreciate really silly humor like that. And then the last show was 48 Hour Travel Man, which I don't remember when I watched it for the first time. I think it was like beginning of quarantine. And this year I rewatched some of the episodes because I felt like enough time had passed and I could enjoy them once again. This is probably my favorite travel show because it has a very dry sense of humor. The host is Richard Ayoade. Ayoade? Oh gosh, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. But the concept is that uh, he goes on these 48-hour trips with different celebrity guests. And the nice thing is that I didn't recognize pretty much any of the celebrity guests, which kind of just makes it feel like he's traveling with a random person, which I think sometimes is nicer to watch. Um, but I just think he's so funny. And the best part of the show is that he does not like traveling. And I think that's a much more realistic depiction of what traveling is like because it's not always super exciting and you don't always want to leave your hotel. Sometimes you're just tired and bored. And he's very brutally honest about like if they go to a museum or if they go to some tourist site and it does not live up to his expectations, he says that rather than pretending that he finds every museum super duper interesting. Another thing I was grateful for this year was getting my COVID vaccine. This was an interesting experience, I would say. Because hearing about other countries and how much longer other people have to wait for their vaccines made me feel guilty for getting mine in the United States. Now, does, does that mean that I should not get vaccinated? I don't think it means that because we have like a surplus of doses here in the United States and there's uh, the government, I guess, is having trouble convincing more people to get their vaccine dose. But I just heard, for example, I was in a Spanish class and I was talking to my Spanish teacher about this and he was saying, or I think I told him that I got my second dose and he was like, oh, do you have a medical condition? And I said, no, it's just available for everyone now in the United States. And he said that he had asthma, but in his country, he wasn't scheduled to get his vaccine until October. And so... You know, a lot of the things on my list of things I was grateful for were things that I could do because I got vaccinated, like having this really nice picnic with my friends and being able to hang out in a group of friends for the first time in over a year. And other people just don't get to experience that, which I think is really, really sad. Finally, the last thing that I wanted to talk about on this list was discovering some new music. So I mentioned this in the video, but this year I stumbled upon Grimes's music. Uh, so Grimes has had quite a long music career prior to her dating Elon Musk, which 
sadly is kind of what she has become known for these days uh but it is the way that I found out about her I think I had heard her name kind of floating around before I knew that she was a musician that existed but I never listened to her music until all this stuff with like the the weird name that they gave their baby and whatever and so I thought okay I'll check her out and I ended up falling down the rabbit hole completely. I loved her music and just dove into all these interviews and listening to all the albums. I even got my mom into it. It was definitely my mom's style of music and she even bought like the, what do you call them? The records? No, the vinyl discs. The vinyl discs of her albums. It was so fun to completely dive into a new artist. It's something I haven't experienced in a while. Um, when I think about BTS, for example, I always wish that I could go back to when I was first discovering them, because I think that was when the excitement was at its peak, basically, and afterwards, it's never the same, like, you can never relive that first, uh, first discovery moment, so I kind of got to experience that with Grimes, um, I want to clarify that I don't really, hmm, let's see, endorse her or support her as a person or, like, her choices or political views because she definitely does and says some questionable things but I think we should be able to separate the uh let's see the the side of the person that makes the music and their art from the rest of the person so yeah I just want to clarify that I I saw this thing on Amanda Rachelie's story which I reposted onto my story recently where she was talking about how after being on YouTube and the internet in general for so many years, she has become so scared of having her words taken out of context that she's constantly um, clarifying things and scared to say anything, even in real life. Like, that has spilled over into her daily life that she just doesn't want to say things because she's afraid of how people might take that out of context and shape it differently, etc. And so, yeah, sometimes I notice myself doing that as well. And that's why I feel like I need to clarify that I am just listening to Grimes' music and not necessarily in support of everything else that she does. Alright, let's move on. So the last step of my mid-year review was looking at the different areas of my life, writing a little bit about how the past six months have gone and how I would like the next six months to go. So the very first category that I uh, took a magnifying glass to was mental health. So I would say I've, I have struggled with my mental health in the past, uh, mainly just like freshman year and then sixth grade. Those are pretty isolated incidents, but I think what I've been experiencing for the past year has been the longest experience that I've had with poor mental health. I had a friend draw this graph for me. Uh, she knew that I had been going through these sort of slumps where I would feel really bad and then go back to feeling good again and then go back to feeling really bad for no reason. And she labeled like those dips and those slumps on this graph. But the point of the graph, it's really hard to explain a graph without just drawing it or showing it to you visually. But basically, even though this graph went down and had dips for the slumps, the overall slope of the graph was going upwards. And so after every dip, basically I came back stronger is what the graph was saying. So even though I was going through these slumps, each one was bringing me back to a higher baseline. Let's call it that. And as much as I loved the sentiment behind the graph and I thought it was really cute, I sort of disagreed with it. Cause I was like, I'm not sure that I actually am getting stronger because of this. 
I hesitate to say that like, oh, this had a meaning, this had a purpose, that it actually made me stronger and that's why I went through it. To me, at least for now, it feels like it didn't really have any benefits. It didn't have any deeper meaning. It was just something that happened and it sucked. Um, So that was sort of the understanding that I arrived to by the end of this past year. For the next six months, I wrote down that I just need to spend more time with friends who truly recharge me, who whose presence is truly healing, if that doesn't sound too dramatic. Um, just like ask for hugs from my family when I need them and get excited for college, I guess, because I fully expect that once I am on a college schedule, I have classes, I'm in a new environment and just everything's busier. I think this will go away. I think this was mainly a result of pandemic quarantine stuff, but we'll see, I guess. The next category is physical health. I think the physical health category is always going to be tied to the mental health one. So if one of those categories is suffering, it's pretty likely that the other one is as well. So normally I find it pretty enjoyable to stay active and I like eating healthy foods. You might see that I post pretty much the same breakfast uh, or I don't post it every day. That would be annoying, but I have pretty much the same breakfast every single day and I post it occasionally where I saute up some onions and bell peppers and then I cook that with spinach and eggs and balsamic vinegar and put avocado on the side and it is absolutely incredible. So generally I do like eating healthy foods and I like doing things like going to dance classes or kickboxing or whatever. And so it was really frustrating to me that when I was having those episodes of feeling depressed, then it was all of a sudden like some switch went off in my brain and I just did not want to take care of myself properly. I struggled with binge eating for pretty much the first time in my life, which was very new and thus very weird to me. Like, it was really weird for me to understand how if I was feeling depressed, then all of a sudden it was like my appetite uh, indicator, my, my ability to know whether I was hungry or not just switched off. Um, whereas as soon as I started to feel better, food and eating made more sense. Like, I felt my hunger and I would eat when I was hungry and that was it. So yeah, basically things were rough this past year, but I am very proud of myself for continuing to exercise pretty regularly. Lately, I started going to kickboxing and um, this weightlifting class again, which I haven't been to in a long time. Part of that was because of the pandemic and having to wear masks in those classes. It just made them so much less pleasant because As much as people might say like, oh, you can still breathe when you're wearing a mask, I think that applies uh, in general if you are healthy and in everyday kind of situations like going to the grocery store. But if you are doing something where you're breathing really hard and sweating a lot, then your mask becomes soaked in sweat and it is disgusting and you try to breathe in air, but you end up drinking sweat. I'm sorry, that was very disgusting, but basically... I started going to those classes again um, and I'm very proud of myself because they are more difficult and so I feel stronger now. So for the next six months, I basically wrote that I want to go to more of those classes. I want to do at least one weightlifting class per week because those have really made a difference uh, in how I feel and my confidence. Uh, I used to be able to do so many push-ups, and that was like something that I was super proud of. And then I lost a lot of upper body strength because I just wasn't doing those types of exercises anymore. But I want to get it back because it was super cool to be able to 
be in a gym class and actually compete with the boys in terms of push-ups. That was just huge confidence boost right there. The next category was blogging. So I was really proud of myself for uploading videos pretty consistently. Like there were definitely weeks when I skipped uploading. I took a whole break in December, didn't upload for an entire month, but I think what I managed to put out there was pretty darn good. And the quality of my videos, I think, has really been improving, especially if I look back at, uh, well, for sure if I look back at 2018, but even if you look at like early 2020, I think the quality has improved drastically and I just find it easier to like shoot good videos. Um, it doesn't take me as much time or as much effort, I would say. A lot of people have also been telling me that my personality has been shining through more in videos and it looks like I'm more comfortable in front of the camera and I didn't really realize that consciously until I looked at some of my older videos and I was like, who is this? This is not Patrice. Why is she so stiff and awkward? But I think I've gotten a, a lot more loosey-goosey in front of the camera, which I think greatly increases the engagement and the quality of them um, because the quality and the engagement has been going up. Uh, views and revenue have also, as of very late, also been going up, so that's very encouraging. Um, I'm working on a new course that I'm really excited for. As I said, I hired that virtual assistant and things have just been fantastic. So yeah, basically for the next six months, just keep doing what is working. Um, and in terms of content, launching that new course, on the business side of things, as I said, I want to hire an accountant and maybe even outsource some more stuff to more different people. We'll see. I also made a category just for freelancing because I believe when I did my 2020 mid-year review, uh, I had a specific category that was just for photography because back then that was actually a big part of my life. At this point though, I definitely am not doing photography. I stopped doing that last year and I have also stopped any other sort of freelance projects that I had. So basically just what I wrote was for the next six months, do not commit to any more freelance projects, Patrice. I know it's tempting, I know it's exciting to start something new and you want to do everything, but you should not. I had a category for home slash environment. So this was hard to write about because you know, I don't have my own apartment or my own house that I could talk about like, oh, I was able to renovate my house or something like that. I am very proud of just how I have maintained my room in terms of decluttering it, keeping it clean, uh, keeping it sort of an inspiring place to be in. Uh, I think being at home for this long, way longer than I thought I would be due to the pandemic, has definitely been uh, wearing me down. <laughs> I think having such familiar, having such a familiar environment at times is comforting, but at other times it just gets to be a little frustrating and I'm so excited for a change of surroundings. So for the next six months, I also wasn't really sure what to write for that, but what I did say was I want to decorate my dorm room and make it absolutely beautiful. Uh, use it as an opportunity to kind of start fresh and try new things in terms of decorating But just really make sure that it's a place that I can be productive in and thrive in and Actually relax in and feel comfortable in I also wrote down that for the next two months I don't know if this is the right category to write this But I want to visit cafes in Madison because I've been doing a lot more of that lately And I just feel like I've been missing out 
um, and also go to new places with friends now that we can hang out together. For the learning category, I said that this year I put a pause on studying Korean, mainly because just due to these slumps that I would have, the time and energy that I had remaining was so much less. And so instead I actually started focusing on Spanish since I'm going to Spain soon. Um, in other kinds of learning, I read a lot of books, listened to podcasts, and just enjoyed doing all of that. So I guess for the next six months, what I said I wanted to do was to keep doing that, but a really big thing that has been interesting me lately and that I want to work on is getting better at my personal knowledge management. So <laughs> this is a huge topic, so I'm just going to try to say a little bit about it, but there's this course called the Building a Second Brain course by this guy named Tiago Forte. Um, I feel like he's sort of been pretty trendy in the productivity space lately. It is a very expensive course, and so I hope that people do not judge me for wanting to take part in it, but I feel like it would be very, very valuable. Um, even if I don't end up doing it either because of money or because of time, because it is going to be during the school year in October, I want to just learn about how to manage my notes, whether they are book notes or just literally notes about anything. Like sometimes I have conversations with friends and I'm like, oh my gosh, I got so much good information and tidbits to remember out of that. But then I have no system for storing that. Uh, so basically what Building a Second Brain talks about is building like a note-taking system to store all of this information outside of your head rather than expecting yourself to remember everything because as they say, your head is, uh, wait, your brain is for coming up with ideas, not for storing information or something along those lines. Uh, you might have heard about this on Ali Abdal's channel. I think that might have been where I initially heard of it. He was always talking about this note-taking tool called Rome Research. Uh, it sounds really weird when I say research because he has a British accent and so he says Rome Research. And I don't know, can you say in American English, can you say research? Rome Research sounds weird. Anyways, it's, it's this app where you take notes, but the main uh, benefit of it is that you can link notes. And so as you're typing a note, you might create a link in double brackets and maybe that link takes you to another related idea that you thought of. And so as you're building your knowledge base, you're creating all of these links, almost like a, a human brain actually does, create links between different ideas. So yes, I want to build my second brain, which sounds like the start of a sci-fi movie that just goes terribly wrong. In the friends category, I wrote down that I've just been a lot more aware these days of which friendships uh, truly what was, what was the word that I used before? Truly heal me? I don't know if heal is the perfect word, but friendships that really fill me with energy and every time I interact with these people, it's just fantastic and makes me feel better about life and boosts my energy and motivates me, etc. And then there are friendships that feel like they drain my energy a little bit and when we have conversations, it doesn't really flow as much and I feel like I have to put on more of an act, um, which is nothing against any of these people. I just... I strongly believe that uh, certain friendships or like uh, pairs or groups of people just click and others don't and there's nothing wrong with that. Like sometimes it just works and sometimes it doesn't and I think I've been paying better attention to what works and so for the next six months I just have to get better at actually putting that into practice 
um, and setting boundaries so that my energy is not drained. Another thing I wrote down was that once college starts in September, uh, it is gonna be quite the social challenge. <laughs> I'm definitely nervous about making friends, especially about the idea of making actual like really deep friendships or forming friend groups rather than just superficial friends that you have in classes and you might go get coffee with once in a while. Because I have heard from a lot of my friends that uh, their closest friends are still the friends that they had in high school and they haven't really formed many new deep friendships in college. And I don't know, I, I just guess in an ideal world, I would like to have a college friend group that uh, is very close and sticks together for a long time. But basically, what I need to do on my end of that is just to be very friendly, very outgoing in the beginning and not spend all my time in my dorm room, which is what I'm tempted to do because I have a solo room. In the family category, I talked about my brother. Uh, you already heard we have a pretty good relationship, so I've been very grateful for that. Uh, and then in the next six months, I just, I think I did this mid-year review at a time when I was feeling kind of irritable and I felt like I was passing that energy along to my family and I felt bad about it. So what I wrote down for the next six months was I want to be kinder to my family. And I hope this doesn't make me sound like I'm just a terrible person to my family members, but I think I can be more mindful of like, if I'm in a bad mood, I can put on a happy face, which I know sounds bad, like I'm trying to hide my emotions, but that's not what I'm saying here. I just mean like if I'm irritable, it's not their fault and so I should try to be friendly because they're gonna reflect that energy back to me and probably make me feel better. Okay, <laughs> the last category, the last category, oh, I feel kind of silly about this, uh, but I probably shouldn't. The last category I titled romance and I wrote in the last six months, pretty much no romance, peace signs. Um, and then I wrote for the next six months, I just wanna be open to meeting new people. Uh, I don't think dating will necessarily be a priority for me for these next six months because I will only have been in college for, what is it, four months. Just the four, four first months of college, I feel like I don't need to be going out of my way to date, but I think it's just, it all plays into the bigger idea of when I go to college, I want to be open to meeting new people and not just be the introvert staying in my room all the time and avoiding everything because I'm nervous. So let's talk about my goals for these last six months of the year. I try to keep them so, so simple. So you've already heard me say basically all of this over the course of this podcast episode, but one of the things I wanna do is just go to that weightlifting class every week, uh, which to be fair, I only have about like six left to go to before we leave for Europe, which is insane. Um, I want to hire an accountant, launch a new course, uh, take that build a second brain course, or just learn about the concept in general. And finally, I had a revenue goal for the year, which I am not entirely on track with, but I do think that things will even out by the end of the year. So I just divided the remaining amount into these next six months to figure out how much, um, how much to earn per month to meet that goal. Obviously, this comes back to me wanting to like add a disclaimer to everything so that people don't judge me, but money is not everything. It's just a goal that I set for myself because this is my business, okay? Please, please, please don't think that all I care about is money. So yeah, that was quite a long podcast episode. Uh, if I look at Audacity, it looks like I've been recording for 57 minutes, but that'll probably turn out shorter once Maya edits it because 
even though I repeat myself, I think less in podcast episodes than in videos, it's still a problem. Repeating myself because I keep stumbling over my words is still a problem. So I hope you still enjoyed this podcast episode and it that, that it's interesting to get a little peek into the behind the scenes of my life. I really want to be more honest about all areas of my life, but obviously, especially the mental health side. And so I feel like uh, this week especially, I'm talking a lot about that. So I hope that is in any way comforting or helps to tear down any unrealistic image that you might have had of me. So as I said in the last episode, when I do solo episodes, I think for the most part, I'm not going to do three takeaways or action step or that stuff because this was just me telling my personal story. Um, and if you got anything helpful from this, uh, and I really hope you did, maybe you can write out your own three takeaways and what you're going to do after listening to this podcast episode. Honestly, I'd love to hear your feedback on whether you think those three takeaways and action step were helpful for the interview episodes either. Um, I'm really trying to update the format of this podcast and make it as helpful as possible. So do send me an email at hello at theblissbean.com. I would love to talk to you. Uh, for Blissbean updates, just keep an eye out for that mid-year review video coming on Friday. I'm very excited about this one because I haven't designed any new worksheets in a while. Uh, for a long time, I just felt like I've designed all the worksheets I could possibly design. Like, what else is there for me to make? However, we started brainstorming this video and I was like, hold on, this is an exercise that could be turned into a worksheet. So I hope you enjoyed that and definitely check out the free resources page on my website where I have tons more worksheets like building a morning routine, building an evening routine, a weekly planning worksheet, uh, designing your own affirmation worksheet, lots of fun things. For today's recommendation, I think I mentioned this in a newsletter, but I think it's worth mentioning again because I posted it on Instagram and a lot of people were asking me, what is this app? What is this tool? And so it seems like there is interest in it. Uh, when I talked about personal knowledge management and the note-taking systems where you can link, that one really popular one is Rome Research or Rome Research. And this other one that I've personally been using because it, it has been generating a lot of buzz lately, it seems like. It's the hot new thing. Uh, a lot of people switch to this new tool over Rome Research. This new tool is called Obsidian. I think the really cool thing about it is that the files are hosted on your computer, so they don't live somewhere in the cloud where, I don't know, there's always some sort of underlying fear that all of that stuff will just disappear or that some other company owns your data or whatever. I don't know that much about the technological backend of things, but it does seem comforting that you and only you have access to those files and they're right there on your computer or hard drive or whatever. Um, and it's basically just this really cool tool where you create notes, you can link them to other notes, you can see a graph view to see all of the connections between different ideas that you've had. I still have so much more to learn about it uh, and I just have to learn how to take proper notes in the first place. But yeah, it's called Obsidian if you're interested in looking at it. I'm pretty sure it's completely free. I haven't paid for anything yet. Um, but yeah, that is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you next week. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about The Bliss Bean and connect with me on YouTube and Instagram at TheBlissBean and TheBlissBean.com. 
If you'd like to sign up to receive the show notes in your inbox every Wednesday morning, that's theblissbean.com slash podcast. If you have a listener question, comment, or suggestion, you can send a voice memo to hello at theblissbean.com. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.